If you've been on any sort of media platform, social media platform, news platform, you know that labor cost, inflation are key things that people are talking about right now. And we're currently in a state like we've never seen before where there's so much competition when it comes to labor, so much competition when it comes to hiring. And more importantly, businesses are focused now more than ever on managing their costs. So on this week's episode, we're going to talk about the importance of automation when it comes to your business and how you can leverage automation to help improve your business profitability. Stay tuned. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Stuff Your Bookkeeper Isn't Telling You. I am Lola Turner, your host, and today I am joined by Mr. Terrell Antonio Turner, my co-host. Hello, Terrell. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you today? I am doing well, doing well. <laughs> that, did that take like some convincing? You a little bit tired? Um, I, I am tired. I mean, at the time we're recording this, it's like 10 and like for the past Almost couple days, I've been like, yeah, it's like 10 PM for the past couple days. I've been up to like 2 AM working on some stuff, um, fixing some, some cleanup stuff for some clients and, um, working on some awesome, uh, well, I was working on some awesome marketing strategy stuff that stopped today. Um, so all is well. Awesome. I'm glad you're doing good. I'm excited to jump into today's episode um, and it's late. And so, you know, we're here for our audience. So I'm super excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today. Um, I think automation is probably a word where when a lot of people hear it, it's almost like, I mean, I used to be this way before I actually got involved in automation projects. I used to think like, you know, the whole, like you said, the whole rise of the machines, the Arnold Schwartz, I can't pronounce his last name, Schwarzenegger, um, the rise of the machines and just like humans being like taken over and everybody losing their jobs. Like, I think that is what a lot of people think about when they think about automation. But I, I'm just really excited to talk about what it really is and the benefits. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I think a lot of people do when they hear about, you know, automation and then they start hearing about things like, you know, robotics, and they really do get that image of the Terminator of mm -hmm. when Skynet went online and the and the machines started fighting against the humans, and and it just becomes like that. this 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 adversarial kind of relationship that I think a lot of people originally think about when it comes down to automation, or even <laughs> I saw this post on Facebook. Um, which I was, I had to laugh when I saw it because it was about like this guy was shopping at Walmart where in the Walmart he was in, they, I guess they put in all self-checkout lines. And so you go through the self-checkout line and then before you leave, they asked to check you. Like there was a lady that was asking to check people's receipts and he was like, the line was backing up. So he just, after he, you know, rung all the stuff up, he paid for it. And he just walked out and the lady asked like, hey, I need to see your receipt. He was like, y'all need to make up your mind. 
either this is going to be self-checkout automated or you need to bring the people back to the register. <laughs> uh, I guess they still want to make sure people aren't stealing. But I'm like, I, even at Walmart, don't they have like those cameras that like monitor you? I guess they're not they're not uh, they're not like super responsive where they're like being like, oh, you have only eight of your nine items scanned, like send a message to the back office and have them come check it. So I guess uh, automation isn't really fully automation. Um, honestly, at the end of the day, it, it, it kind of reminds me of like the matrix. Cause in the matrix wasn't like, weren't like the machines like running things it was like matrix two or three. I, I don't remember now. It's been well, it depends. It depends on which matrix you, you saw. Now, if you the saw matrix the where first, they went to like, the, first, the city, the first trilogy. The city? yeah. Okay. So let me say this. If you saw the first like trilogy set, um, you may have an opinion. But then if you saw the last one they came out with, which was absolutely trash, where yeah, the last one they tried count. to like they tried to like they 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 in many cases they rewrote the entire logic of the movie to where I'm like, I'm not quite sure how to answer that question because yeah, immediately have you never no. seen that last one? <laughs> immediate immediately no. The last matrix isn't even acknowledged because honestly. My opinion, that movie was so much crap. It just undid the whole of like Matrix 1 through 3. So no, I'm talking about the trilogy. Okay, so you're talking about the first set. So yeah, I mean, I, I think in that one, um, there was like, I, I guess, you know, it was a bit a bit strange if I'm remembering correctly, because I mean, the movie came out years ago. Um, yeah. But if I'm remembering correctly, I think the machines operated in like Machine City. And mm -hmm. then there was the the code inside the matrix that right. was trying to get out. And I thought and I think that was going to cause an issue with the machine land or whatever. And I think that's why the machines ended up teaming up with, you know, teaming up with Neo to stop that from happening. But I think I think in, in that situation, you had another scenario of machines versus the people. And, exactly. and I think you never really got to see, you know, what could things look like if these two parties worked well together? I saw there's like so many horror stories. I just thought about this when you were talking. iRobot, the one with Will Smith. That was another one where the machines were taking over. You remember that movie? <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that was another one where it started out like with collaboration and like, you know, like the machines are here to save you and help you and their partners. And then all along the main machine was planning to take over. So I can definitely see why some people have like their apprehensions when it comes to automation, but believe me, believe you me, that's not the kind of automation we're talking about today. So yeah. um, go ahead. And I think also that, you know, with, with tech, the advancement in technology, because I think, a lot of times when people start thinking about like, you know, robotics and technology coming in play is sometimes they're thinking about, I guess I would call it like, you know, they're thinking about like 1990s or early 2000s robotics. They're not necessarily mm -hmm. thinking about it now with the quantum computing, the AI technology. Like, for example, a lot of a lot of us are actually interacting with some of the benefits of like that robotic technology and AI, like when you go to Netflix and the, I mean, cause if you think about it is what Netflix, Amazon does it as well as when you go on to Netflix 
it's almost like the entire library has been rearranged to fit your preferences. Mm -hmm. And I mean, when you think about it in an old school way is if you went to, let's say the old school blockbuster, blockbuster, blockbuster was not going to change its layout for you, the individual customer. You had to come in there and you had to, you know, take what they gave you. But it's just like now with some of the computing technology and, you know, the AI, what it what what Amazon and what Netflix is able to do is it's almost like they're rearranging the entire store. So when you come in, it looks like the store was made for you. And I think that, you know, as that advanced, some of that technology is also now becoming a huge benefit for, you know, businesses, especially in the area of accounting and finance. Right. And I think um, oftentimes when it comes to automation, there are benefits because actually, as you were talking about, you're talking about how we already interact with AI and some sort of technology, robotic technology or automation every day. I was just thinking about like how often I use my Hey Google like voice where I'm like, hey, Google, add this to my grocery list. or And I do that a lot. Like, hey, Google, what is this, this and this? So like it's almost become a part of our lives that we honestly don't realize like how much we it already exists today. Um, and so why not leverage it to help drive your business forward? And, you know, it might sound like overly complex in some cases, but really some of the stuff we're going to talk about today are really just simple tweaks and, and adjustments that we we've made in the business and great resources and tools that we've used. Yeah. And, and I will say, I mean, it does get depending on how deep a person wants to go into it, like there are some things that get very deeply complex. Like I have some friends that are, that, you know, they're engineers deep into the details of robotics and analytics. Um, I have some other friends that aren't as deeply technical as an engineer, but they're still very knowledgeable and explaining great things like, um, shout out to my friend, uh, Chris Ortega, um, him and I, we did a we did a speech together at the AICPA Engage event in Las Vegas. And in one of his sessions that he did, where he talked about kind of where that advancement in technology, AI, like, as you mentioned about, like, you know, saying like, hey, Google, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, some of the things that are being worked on to where you could even, you know, say, hey, Google what were the sales trends for the last three months? It's like, Mm -hmm. imagine, you know, if, you know, your CEO could pull out their phone and say that and get the answer to where they used to have to come to the CFO or they used to have replaced immediately the accountant. (laughs) (laughs) Immediately replaced. (laughs) Somebody needs to make sure the machine is calculating the right numbers. Okay. Um, No, but that's, that's, yeah, that's a really good insight. I will say, I think one of the things to your point, I do think it can really, depending on the scale of your operation, it can definitely get complex. One of the projects that I'm currently supporting is a $2 million automation project. And I mean, there's a lot of money that's put into that. And a lot of times when you have like, especially if you have like manufacturing companies, or if you have like a bottling company, whatever it is, like a lot of times those are huge operational scales because you're having to change basically how you're running the entire operation. Um, And those do take time and and you have to really think through how to how to change that and how it's going to work into how you do business. 
Yeah, I mean, and I think that 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 is a, a very common trend that we probably saw since both of us, you know, worked a decent amount of time in industrial manufacturing. You're still mm -hmm. doing some of it. Um, me, not as much. Uh, but when it came down to industrial manufacturing, I think industrial manufacturing was one of those areas where robots did start to get adopted a little faster. Because yeah. I remember being on the, you know, being on the shop floors where robots are picking up, you know, jet engines or they're picking up diesel engines for 18 wheelers and stuff like that to where, mm -hmm. you know, you to you could get a human being to do that, but you would just need so much equipment to do it. And one of the things that we started getting into when you started wanting to do things at a more at a, a fine, more precision level. Like um, when you start really manufacturing things down to, you know, down to like, you know, I guess you say the nanite level, like you can't do it by hand. Um, and just with trying to scale, I think it really taught you something looking at the industrial side, how they adopted robots. And now being on the other side of like accounting, finance, some of your business practices, I'm like, there's a lot that we can learn from the way that industrial manufacturing adopted robots and robotics and how we can do a similar thing to make, you know, accounting, finance and more business administration more efficient and effective. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of benefits that come with automation. I think if I'm just thinking about like from a business owner's perspective, um, and I've seen this, like we've seen this in the industrial manufacturing space, um, and this is usually what most people go to, like immediately they think about when they think about automation is cost savings, right? So I think that's kind of sometimes like a number, a no brainer, right? You you have an initial investment, of course, that goes into setting it up. But the goal is, hey, eventually this is supposed to save us money in some cases. Um, the second thing is, I'd say for me, which I think is an important one is, um, the firm's ability to use the resources, um, automation resources to help grow and scale their business. I think we have, you know, as the labor market contracts or as it becomes more challenging for you to find really good talent, because there's a lot of companies that are hiring, how do you as a small company stand out, right? And it's challenging sometimes if you're a five to $6 million company, um, revenue company and you're trying to hire someone who is offering, you know, you have another company that makes a billion dollars a year and they're offering $150,000 and you're trying to offer $70,000 in, you know, in, in annual salary. So sometimes it does become a little bit challenging and you're probably not at the top of the list in terms of being selected or the number one option. But um, I think automation is a good way for you to, in cases like that, like leverage your existing workforce to help grow and be able to support more clients and increase yeah. your revenue. And I guess before we go too, too much further down, like, you know, because it sounded like you were naming a, a list of like different benefits, before we go too far, I wanted to go back to that first point you said, I mean, because I do think that's something that a lot of people don't think about is you know, they think about the benefits of, hey, what automation will do. But sometimes they seem to be caught off guard that, hey, there there may be a upfront investment, whether that's oh, time yeah. or whether that's money. And, oh, yeah. and I think it's just like some some people that I've talked to have thought all about, oh, what's the benefits of it? And 
they kind of, you know, take a they half step or they kind of, you know, partially work on the upfront investment, whether that's investing the time to make sure the implementation goes well or making sure you hire the right partners or or investing in the right systems where it's like they're looking for all the benefits and they want i guess you could say they want the benefits on a budget and when you try to cut corners on, on that upfront investment that's where i've seen a lot of people have a bad experience where they come back and say well this automation doesn't work and i'm just like mm -hmm. that's because you got a little cheap on the front end <laughs> yeah and i think that's why you also need a finance person right like your bookkeeper if your business is you're looking to grow your business or you're looking to implement or do automation like pretty much my job on this project that I, that's actively going through is i need to validate like you're telling me it's going to save xyz i need to understand the cost how much is it going to cost you because no i mean just like you would do any analysis like you need to understand the the benefits and the cost of doing it so i think part of having a bookkeeper or a finance or an accounting person is they should be able to help you do that analysis to say hey if you're looking to invest in this automation solution like how much is it going to cost like you said i think a lot of times people don't think through the non-monetary cost as well like you said the time like the time that it's going to take to learn uh, the processes and, and different things like that and compare that against the benefit that you would get. Cause then that tells you what's the true benefit of making this decision. Cause if you look at one versus the other, then you're going to end up in a position where you said like you're delayed, it's derailed. Then you come back and you're like, this product didn't even work. And I've seen a lot of people fall into that situation and it's because they weren't looking at the whole picture. Um, and sometimes I've seen situations where you have someone on the engineering team come and provide a solution no one on the finance side vetted it. You didn't have anyone on the finance side to confirm and validate it. And now you've spent, you know, millions of dollars on a project that isn't yielding what it was supposed to. So, yeah, I think that's absolutely. I mean, and it, you know, it, as you were saying that, it made me think about something that is it became a huge annoyance factor for me whenever it came down to running a business case and we were looking at a decision and the only benefit people wanted to focus on was the opportunity cost. They would say things like, oh, this will free our people up for, you know, eight hours or 16 hours or, hey, this will free up, you know, two days worth of, you know, worth of time. And it's like, while that may be true, the real question of the benefit is not necessarily just does this free people's time up? The question I would ask is, okay, if we free up this eight hours, we free up these two days, what else are they going to be doing? Because right, we still exactly. have to pay them. Are they exactly. just going to be sitting around doing nothing? Like, do you have something better else for them to do? Because if we're going to, if we're going to say that, Hey, saving time is the benefit, then I think to the point you were making earlier, um, one of the things I was always ask people is, if they're not doing this, is there something else they can do that could help the organization continue to grow faster mm -hmm. or to add more value or to be mm -hmm. more productive? Because I'm like, if we have something else to shift their attention and their time to, I'm like, then that makes more sense. Like this becomes a easier business case to sell. 
Right. No, I, I fully agree. And I think opportunity cost is one of those things where it's so subjective sometimes because, <laughs> you know, people are like, oh, yeah, it's, I'm going to save, you know, this this solution is going to save you five hours. And I'm like, OK, and then what am I doing with those five hours, five hours a day? Like, am I actually being productive and, I'm, and am I being effective? So that's a that's a very valid point. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's one of those things that I, I do think like, you know, for for all bookkeepers and accountants, if you're doing advisory work, as you're kind of working with different business owners and you're working with different clients, I mean, I do think that that's the one of the thing that you that I think as finance professionals, we have to challenge that assumption because mm -hmm. it's very easy for us to convince ourselves that there's a benefit and hey, making this decision is worth it. And not to say that, hey, robotics and automation isn't worth it. I think it is worth it. It's just, yeah. you just gotta make sure that as you're automating things that you're freeing up time, it's just like, now what are you gonna do with that time you freed up? Like, you know, and I, and I, I love the point you brought up about the people because, you know, that's one of those, those challenging conversations that I had to sit in when we were automating some things at different companies. It's like, mm -hmm. hey, when we automate this, do understand we are taking task and responsibility away from a person who's doing it. Their yep. first thought in their mind is, oh, man, I'm going to get fired. Like they're going right. to lay me off because they don't need me anymore. So I'm like, we, as leaders, we got to kind of be responsible enough to say, OK, all right, what else can this person do now that they're no longer doing that task? And then yeah. what can I start to do now to help them get prepared to do this new thing? Yeah, one thing I will say automation definitely forces you to do is it forces you to examine how you're spending your time like on a specific yeah. process, because in order for you to in order for you to uh, to get uh, your finance person to properly evaluate how much time is actually being saved or the cost, you need to understand what does it currently take you to do whatever it is that you're doing today with this new automation process, how long will it take you to do tomorrow? And then from then really understanding, OK, what's the benefit and what's the savings? So sometimes it's, you know, as a business owner, it's also a good opportunity for you to kind of take task of like what it is that you currently do today and understand like, all right, have I, like, what am I truly spending my time on? I think that's really the big thing. Yeah. And I'm curious for you, I mean, as you're kind of working through the project that you mentioned and even previous projects, um, do you feel like people were ready to have a, or first, do you feel like people actually understood what they were spending their time on when you asked that question? Mm, no, I mean, I would say it's 50-50, right? I think this project was a little bit different because the individuals that we were, I guess that would be quote unquote impacted from the adjustment are people that are temporary labor. So they're not full-time employees which I think was a, a great strategy because then it avoids like some of the awkward conversations, like you said, where it's like, Hey, so what is it that you do all day around here? Because really like with temps and temp temporary labor, like these are contractors that you hire, they know they're there for specific tasks. Like they know that their contract isn't long-term. So it's much easier to have the conversation. So I think it was relatively straightforward, like with those people, because 
they weren't, they had been there maybe less than a year or whatever. I don't know what the duration was. So typically when you have someone that, you know, we used to say when in corporate, like I said, I said, we used to say in corporate, one of the things that they say, like when somebody starts at a new company is like, you know, give all your feedback now, tell us everything that's wrong with the process now when you're still fresh, because you can see things kind of from the outside looking in. I feel like contractors have the ability to do that because they're not part of the company. They're not part of the culture. They're not like in inundated in things. So it was easy, I guess, for you to get that feedback of what they were spending their time on. Um, but then realizing also that, hey, there may be some learned behaviors for people that have been there longer, that the temp employees that you're trying to get feedback on how they do the processes don't have. So that was something else that needed to kind of be taken into account. Yeah. Now, I guess I'm, I'm curious also when, when you when you approach that conversation, have you found... Maybe that's kind of leading the leading the witness. Um, so let, me, uh, let me ask <laughs> a more open ended question is, do you feel like people are people that are not contractors, like full time employees? Do you feel like they are a little apprehensive about being honest about what they spend their time on when they know that, hey, a automation project is on underway? I will say in this in this situation, I haven't had enough of a converse like enough experience working, talking to like the permanent employees to actually get that feedback. But I will say and I'm working on some other projects now uh, with uh, some of the guys that I support. And one of the things that is as you start to think about, you know, when people come in and like, OK, we need to think about how do we how we improve our efficiency. Like a lot of companies are thinking, how do how are we how do we become more productive? Like that's something that's come up because then we're like, okay, in order to become more productive, we need to know how people are spending their time today. And I've seen there has been a lot of apprehension to that because it goes back to the fact that, hey, if I have to really tell people what I spend my time on and it doesn't meet the criteria or it sounds like I'm not really doing a lot, then my job is at risk, right? So I to answer your question, I haven't really seen it specifically on this project, but I have seen it overall just when it comes to productivity improvement um, at some on some of the projects I've worked worked on yeah because you know it's one of those things i think even for myself when it comes down to that it's just me having me having to sit back and see what am i spending my time on like let's be i'm gonna be very transparent you and i had a conversation recently and was talking about hey the stuff that needs to get done and you asked me the question like well what are you spending your time on immediately i was just like okay if I as I was going down the list, I'm just like, okay, all right, Terrell, that list isn't as isn't that long. Why aren't you able to get some of this stuff that you need to get done done? And and I think once I started actually listing it out, I realized, hey, you're spending some time on stuff that you don't need to be doing anyway, and mm-hmm. you're spending some time on some stuff that probably could get automated, and you're spending some time on some stuff that probably should be handed off to someone else but i think whenever like really looking at hey how am i spending my time or mm-hmm. really just going back and documenting the process i think which is the starting point to any automation or any successful automation i do think we tend to find that there's some stuff that we're doing that isn't really adding value to the end result and those mm-hmm. are things that we can we we can stop doing or we probably should stop doing. And sometimes I do think that that ego of 
I don't want people to find out that I'm, you know, <laughs> for lack of a better term, wasting time. <laughs> um, right. I don't want people to know that I'm wasting time. So I, I do think that that from my experience, when it came down to some automation projects, I've seen some people be a little hesitant to be yep. transparent about like, hey, what are you doing? Because we can create a tool that can kind of replace some of these steps. Now, one of the things that I'm finding to be very interesting about, you know, kind of what's happening in the accounting industry, as I mentioned earlier, like we saw it happen in industrial manufacturing with, mm -hmm. you know, the way they use robotics and technology is coming to play is, you know, you're starting to see it happen a lot more. Um, like there was the article that came out um, recently about Canopy, which um, creates technology that a lot of a lot of different accounting firms are, are using that technology. But, you know, not so much. I don't want to focus so much on like, hey, here's what they're doing. Just um, one of the things that they talked about releasing a new feature of trying to help automate the workflow process, because I think that is probably a huge headache for anybody who's working with multiple people is mm -hmm. how in the world do you keep, you know, this project moving forward when different people have to put their hands in on this project? Um, and so, you know, one of the things that I'm curious about from your perspective, like you talked about the automation projects that you guys are trying to work on, like, what has that been like, you know, with so many people having to do their piece of the process, like, how have you guys managed, you know, keeping the project moving forward? Um, I think the we've honestly taken a more traditional approach. I don't know if this would have been the approach if we were like at a startup where there were only six people um, because there's just no bandwidth to do it. But the approach that's been taken, at least on this project, has been like meetings twice a week. So it's an Excel spreadsheet that's being tracked. You know, you have actions. Hey, this is th these are the these are the 30, 50 things we need to do to get to wherever it is we need to go. This is the person that's going to own that. And then when we get on those calls twice a week, basically each person provides an update on what they're working on. If for whatever reason, whoever owns that doesn't come to the call, then you need to chase that person down or the project manager um, needs to chase that person down, find out what's going on with the project. So. I think ideally this is probably a key opportunity for automation within an automation project to where there's so many tools, you know, like monday.com and so many other tools where like you can create a project and people can go in and provide their updates, you know, in real time. And so like if someone doesn't show up to the meeting, you can put in your notes and your updates and then you can have a conversation about them, you know, uh, without that person present versus coming to the weekly to the meeting twice a week to report it's like it's not exactly the the most efficient way but that's how it's being done today yeah you know and i mean and that just reminds me of like when working at bigger companies um that was kind of how we approached it i mean we took that i call it the i mean i think it's a bad way to approach things it's a very old school way of problem comes up you just throw people at it like hey we're yeah. just gonna you know, we're going to hire this person. This person's going to be the new project manager, like whatever job they were doing before. Now they're going to be the new project manager that's going to or they're going to be the project champion. They come mm -hmm. up with all these, in my opinion, stupid names. 
to make it to make it feel special to make it seem special to where i mean because really what you were doing is you now just promoted this person to be the you are the designated person that's going to manage the excel workbook to make sure everybody is doing their job I mean, it's basically babysitting. You're going to babysit to make sure everybody's doing their job. And are you have people come to those calls. Everybody has an attitude because they're like, this is a waste of my time. I don't know. I have to sit in this call to give you an update for two minutes. Like, it doesn't make sense. So, you know, that is a perfect opportunity to automate something right there, your process. Absolutely. And, and you know, and it's refreshing, I will say, is now I, I'll be honest. I, I haven't. I, I we don't use Canopy's product. Um, I haven't used it. I, I can't, you know, give a testament to hey, Canopy's product is great. I don't know that because I haven't used it. But what was refreshing to see is that more technologies in the accounting, finance industry in that space are looking to do things because they recognize this is a problem. Because right. I, I do think we're moving out of that phase, for, especially for a lot of bookkeepers. And we're navigating that ourselves. Um, yeah. Just as you start to scale, like, you know, it's not necessarily like, hey, I'm going to hire this person and this person owns these 15 clients from start to finish. Like, there may be some collaboration with other people on the team. And, and I do think you got to have some steps in there. Um, something that is working in the background to signal the next person when they need to pick up the task. Because, you know, unless you are fortunate to say, hey, we have our business has one client and it Mm -hmm. is big enough to cover all of our, you know, expenses to generate profit for the business. Now, that's not a particularly healthy business because you have one single point of failure. But most of us are don't have the luxury of that. I mean, you're you're doing like, you know, a hundred different things all at once. And mm-hmm. some of the stuff you're doing, you need, you know, the next person to pick up the ball. And and I think having some type of automated workflow definitely helps in a, a tremendous way. I agree. No, I agree. I think there's uh and the great thing about I think the great thing about automation as well is you can use it across the board, right? Any part of your business, anything that you're doing, um, we use it a lot, I guess, within our business. Um, I can think of some some key areas where it's become like really important for us. Even if I think about some of the, the corporate jobs that I've worked, like automation has been essential because, I mean, you probably know this, accounting, in my opinion, has been one of the slower industries to automate. Um and, you know, yeah, you have QuickBooks. Yeah, you have um, you have zero. And I'm not going to like pick favorites. But I mean, within some of those, it's like extremely clunky. It's hard to use. And so it, sometimes it's just it's it's taken a while. Like there's constant updates, there's constant improvements. And so I think accounting is probably one of those industries that it's taken us a little bit to get there. And you can still see with some of the, the 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 technology how it's built is that it takes some time to get and extract the data that really should just take you you know seconds to pull. So when you find a tool that's doing that, it's like this is like a gem, and you know how they talk about like a diamond in a rough to where you're like I'm never going to let go of this of this tool ever because it's providing a value that like not a lot of 
that doesn't really exist today, especially in the accounting space. And if you're listening to this and you're like a business owner, you're like, I don't understand. Trust me, these tools help your bookkeeper and your accountant do their job better, right? So I think um, I think the accounting space has some work to do, but I'm definitely seeing the the automation um, happening. And I think that's going to help uh, bookkeepers be able to support their the business owners that they support quicker and better. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree because I, I do think that with, you know, with the automation, I mean, it, it one is it allows you to stop doing the stuff that you don't like doing. Mm -hmm. It allows you to stop doing some of that boring, repetitive stuff. If you can automate it, because I will say is some of the stuff that we spend time doing. I talk to accountants and bookkeepers all the time and they're like, I hate doing this or I hate doing this. Like, I mm -hmm. think that is a great opportunity to look at how do we automate that? Um, right. And I do, and I do think as you kind of scale, I mean, the reality of it is, is like we went through it ourselves where, you know, we started when we just had six clients, you know, mm -hmm. our systems, our processes worked. Um, I could pick up the phone. I can answer every single call. Um, I can respond to every single person. And we started growing past that and we started and we continue growing. And then I will say probably around 12 clients, I started noticing there are some really big cracks in our system because um, mm -hmm. I don't mm -hmm. have the luxury to manually do things the way that I was doing it before when we only had six clients. Right. And as we continue to grow, and it's one of those things that I took a step back and said, like, all right, all right, what are we doing? Like I said, writing out the process, what are we doing? Where are we spending our time? And then, hey, where can we find a tool to actually do some of these things that we're doing manually? Because right. we can't continue to grow if we keep doing it manually. Right. I, I agree. And I mean, I think some of the some of those tough conversations we had to have when like stuff was getting missed or we had to have tough conversation about like, yeah, why didn't you do this? Um, I forgot, like it needed to be done or I was, you know, it, it's such a manual process. I did, I did nine of them. I didn't do the other three. So I, I mean, I think it's just automation to help solve some of those problems. Automation, having a, first of all, understanding like, what is it exactly? What's your responsibility? What do you, what do you have to get done is, is key. I think about it for our invoicing. And I think we've talked about this with like some of our, you know, some of the, the episodes we've done, like that's one thing we had to work on automating or at least developing, automating the ones that we could. And that has saved a lot of time. It's, it's minimized errors. It's, I mean, it's just made it very clear. Some clients have, it's improved our cash flow because some clients auto pay. So it's, it's a great way, like I said, to get paid quicker. I mean, it's just, there's, there's various benefits, but that's just kind of the one I can think of. Like the, the billing one has been one we've automated. Yeah, I mean, and that's a good process because I was talking to a business owner yesterday and one of the things they were telling me is like, you know, I asked them, hey, what does your billing process look like? And they were like, well, to be honest with you, Terrell, my billing process isn't, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not doing it consistently. And unfortunately, there's some, you know, they were doing some work with some organizations where they have they have to actually send the bill within a certain time. That if they don't send the bill within, let's say, you know, six, seven months, then that organization isn't going to pay the bill. And so it sounds like, like a bad idea. Now you're like losing money because right. this is a manual process that you don't have time to do. 
And I'm just like, yeah, automation could be a huge win for you in this area of fixing that. Exactly. Exactly. Now, one of the things I'm curious about is, you know, you, you mentioned about, you know, you know, with the automating some of the billing. Um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, what are we talked about some tips? We talked about automation as a whole. What are some tools that you kind of use when it came down to, hey, this has helped me automate this and kind of um, also what was the learning curve with using that tool? Okay, so there's one in particular that I'm like really excited to talk about. Um, and this is like specifically within our business and it's been a reporting tool that we've used or reporting automation um, software, I guess. Would it be considered a software? Yes. I don't know which one you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what it is. Hey, so I'm I'm excited to talk about LifeFlow because I think LifeFlow has been a tremendous um, tool that we've used. Um, when I think about, if you kind of think about like corporate um, and you think about like the corporate roles, if I think about the corporate, corporate roles that I've had, um, when it came to doing any sort of analysis, you have what you call S-Base. It, it goes by different names and different companies, Hyperion, whatever. Um, and that tool is kind of like, I guess, a data warehouse where you have data stored for like, you know, your clothes and basically your financials for your company. Um, and one of the things I remember, Terrell, you and I had a conversation about like maybe like a couple of years ago where I was like, you know what, it would be great if there was like a Hyperion for like small businesses, like that's some sort of like database where you can go in and just like pull your numbers and they're there and they're available and you can like do your analysis and refresh it. And then, you know, LifeLow came along and I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like, you know, cause when you think about, when you think about a lot of the, the data, like if you think about large companies that spend millions of dollars putting together like Hyperion and, and that database, that data warehouse, there's so much money that goes into that investment because it's so important and it saves so much time. Imagine if you had to pull reports every five minutes for month and close, if you had to go in, extract the data, every time you booked entries, go in, extract the data, paste it or whatever. This tool has been amazing for us because once a, once an entry is made, you can just refresh it, see the updates, and it actually trumps um, Hyperion because I remember when you used to do clothes and you had to wait two hours for Hyperion to refresh, right? And you wouldn't see like the stuff immediately when you book the entries, this is very different. And so I think it just takes an analyzing to like a completely different level. And it allows you to be able to get results quickly to where as like our accounting team is posting entries, we can see those things right away. We can review the numbers, the balance sheet, the PL. How does it look? We can do the review template, the, the dashboards, all of those things that we do. Um, and, and it's because of a tool like this. So I think for me, I'd probably say that has been the best because I've always been a fan of Hyperion just because it makes it so easy to build like reports. And then all you have to do is refresh them right each month with a new data set and having something like that for a, for a company that is three to five million dollars in revenue or 10 to $12 million in revenue um, and being able to do that same level of efficient analysis is definitely makes a big difference and allows you to be able to provide that information in real time for your clients. Whereas before it was more of, hey, let's go pull it from QuickBooks, download it, paste it in the file, run the analysis, and it just takes time, right? Versus being able to see the data in real time. 
Oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome. Um, any other tools that you're using to, um, or any other tool? Um, a really good one that is, is not accounting related, I guess, would be Social Pilot. So that is a tool that basically schedules the content that we post. So like these, this interview, this, um, the interview that we're going to be doing, the, um, the different posts that go up, like that allows you to schedule ahead in advance to be able to basically make sure that you're planning ahead. And the great thing about that is it allows you to basically look and see, okay, over the next month, there's no limits on how far you can load your data. It basically allows you to load the videos, the copy, everything that you're going to say, and then you schedule it for whatever time you want to post and it does it. I mean, this is an absolute lifesaver because I remember when you and I first started posting content, those videos needed to be posted manually. So every day, especially when we were doing like two to three times a day, posting content two to three times a day, every day, like, okay, what's the copy? Okay, this is what we're putting in the copy. You got to come up with it on a haphazard. Okay, what's the copy? Okay, this is the video we're doing. Okay, it needs to go up. Oh my gosh, the algorithm. Okay, when are the best times to post? 7 a.m. Okay, 8 a.m. Okay, what if I have a meeting at 8 a.m.? Dang, this was not posted. I mean, there was just so much unnecessary anxiety involved around that. So that has now gone away. I can schedule exactly what time I wanted to post. I can schedule exactly what I wanted to post. And then it forces me to work ahead on like the copy, right? Like what I'm going to say, how it's going to be said, what I want to include. And that way my stuff can post. And then you can really focus on just engaging with your audience versus being just so anxious to post. Because honestly, by the time you get there, you're probably like, I'm just done. I don't even want to look at this. Like I'm rushing to post. Did I post before I left home? There's just so much like unnecessary stuff. So I would say that has been an amazing tool because then it even allows you to look at the calendar of your, you know, when stuff is going up, what time it's going up. So, and the different platforms it's going on. So it's been a, it's been a great tool. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. I'll say, I mean, I think for me, um, the, the first one I'll say is Calendly has been a huge one for me because, mm. You know, I remember early on when we were, you know, just trying to get the word out and even building out some of the podcasts like we had yep. different guests on to where literally like I had my spreadsheet where I was tracking where I had a goal where I had to meet 70 new people every single week. Um, and I was, you know, on different social media platforms, reaching out to people connecting with people, whether it was commenting on different things on, you know, social media. And then when people are like, oh, we should, you know, connect for a call. And when I was trying to manage all that manually, it was an absolute nightmare, like trying to schedule like, oh, man, I, I was like double booking. And then, yeah. when I, you know, I forgot exactly how I heard about, you know, Calendly, whether it was you or someone else that told me about it. And I found it was it me. Give me my credit. <laughs> Give well, me my credit. I still, <laughs> I still remember we were, it was a Sunday and I remember you were looking at your schedule and trying to figure out when to schedule like different people. And I remember you were sitting on the couch on like the blue, the blue chair. And you were just like, man, like, I wish like, is there something where you can just like schedule it and I don't have to worry about this and people can just go schedule the time that they have and they want. And I was like, let me look. And we yeah. came across Calendly. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been a game changer because, I mean, a I think, when, you know, like I said, when I'm, you know, talking, meeting 70 people a week and then also doing like get to knows with, let's mm -hmm. say, 15 to 25 a week. 
I mean, just being able to send that Calendly link out so they can register. And then we um, also started using it for guests for the show. Like I was looking Mm -hmm. and someone was asking me about like, you know, coming on, being a guest on, you know, our show, the law and finance show. And I told him like right now, like we literally have 14 interviews that are booked out for the rest of this month. And I don't necessarily have to do you know, as much work as I was doing before, because now we have a virtual assistant where she manages that, where she's reaching out to potential guests. She shares the link with them for so they can join the Facebook group. They can then they can schedule. And I'm no longer spending like seven hours a week just trying to manage my own calendar with all the people I've been talking to. So that Mm -hmm. one's been a, a, a huge one that I've really enjoyed. Yeah, that tool is phenomenal. Shout out to the creator of the uh, of the Calendly tool. Massive, yes. amazing Topaz, accomplishment. Yeah. And he's Nigerian. Too, amazing, so. amazing tool. Um, Shout out to so my I'm, Nigerians. Ha, ha, ha. You know, doing I big things. mentioned it earlier. Um, and, and I wanted to go back to it because I, I agree about Live Flow has been a game changer for the TL Turner group because one of the headaches that you run into sometimes is when it comes down to reporting and trying to get the data to your clients, like one of mm-hmm. the you know the phone calls you don't want to have to have is, hey, we missed the deadline on getting the reporting to them. So we started using live flow because, you know, we had a process for using, you know, QuickBooks to get the bank data into QuickBooks, the bookkeeping team, they would get that done. And then when it came down to the review step, you know, being able to create reports in, you know, live flow to be able to quickly do the review. So then the review moved faster. And then there were clients that wanted unique setups of how they wanted to look at the data or KPIs or metrics. But with live flow, we were able to automate that to where we set up like custom dashboards for different clients and, you know, with the push of a button after the bookkeeping's done, then the senior accountant does the review step. We press the button. It generates the reporting that they need. And then for me, it's just sending an email to the client. Hey, your latest report is ready for your review. And here are mm-hmm. some of the things that we noticed this month. And I think that made a night and day difference. And I think it also opened the door for us to introduce a new product because then we got into doing dashboarding because we started learning um, Google data studios. And so Mm -hmm. a lot of people started asking us about that to where it became a new product that we could offer. And it allowed us to kind of expand our revenue for the firm because now we offer this new tool where there are clients who love seeing the data in the dashboards and we use live flow to automate those. And then also other accounting firms started reaching out to us and like, Hey, can you design a white label dashboard so they can use with their clients? And the good thing about it is you were already doing, we were already doing all the work in the background. It's just live flow became like that tool we could layer in to automate the reporting and that feeds the different pieces that we report out to the clients. And I will say, I haven't had to get on a uncomfortable call with a client 
to explain why we're delayed on reporting. I haven't had to do that in like a year, which has been like yeah. a huge relief for me. Yeah, no, the dashboard, I think, I don't think we would have had the ability to do the dashboard without LifeLow. Like realistically, just even the amount of business to take on would have been extremely limited because the level of, of data that like, that the dashboard, the value, the level of value that the dashboard is offering, I can't imagine like how many reports or stuff that you would have to download, pull this from here, or how do you want to see the data modify it? And you probably have to do that every time. And that's the amazing thing about LifeLow is once you set it up, you set up your structure, all you got to do is refresh it. And so it just makes life so much easier. And I will tell you, like, I'm typically not a nerd. Well, maybe a little bit I am. Um, and I accept it. But I think the dashboard you created, I swear it is like every business owner's dream. Are you going to share it with us? So we're excited to see it. <laughs> so okay. I'll share, I'll do a quick share. So here's a, a sketch of one that I did. Now, one of the things that, you know, a client was asking, they were saying is like, when they get the financial statements, they would say, hey, they really didn't spend much time reading it. And so they preferred to have it visually. So one of the mm -hmm. things that we did is we took the live flow report. And what I did is like, hey, wrote some formulas in Google Sheets and then figured out Google Data Studios. And so now Live Flow automatically updates, you know, based on what gets put in QuickBooks. And then that feeds directly into this dashboard to where now the client is very happy because the client is like, I can understand this. Like, this makes sense to where the client can see the dashboard. And for me, it's a huge relief because Live Flow allowed us to automate this because. Before that, I was downloading reports. I got to combine this, combine this. But now, like I said, LiveFlow, it just allows us to like straight, you know, automate that. And mm -hmm. like I said, this becomes a new service product that we offer, you know, with some of our bookkeeping, some of our CFO advisory. And, you know, clients are happy to pay extra to see something like this because they're like, this helps me get the answers that I need. Exactly. No, this this is like an amazing dashboard. And I love the colors. I mean, that just adds like personality to it. So um, I mean, it's, it's been great. So like, there are so many more tools out there, tools like LiveFlow and, and some of the other tools that we've talked about that definitely make a difference. And I would say the biggest benefit for me with LiveFlow is the opportunity to be able to offer complimentary services. <laughs> the opportunity to be able to offer services that yield more revenue and eventually yield to a, prof a more profitable income statement, which is what you want. A more profitable business, yeah. not just income statement, a more profitable business. So um, so if you haven't been convinced, I mean, we've had a pretty good, great conversation. I mean, if you're not convinced at this point about the benefits of automation, I don't know what to tell you. Like we have shared a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of good feedback and a lot of good advice here. And uh um, as you, as you can tell, like we're pretty big fans of life flow, but that's a different and, and one of the things that I also say is like I said, there, there's a ton of tools that we're using, like Dubsado we're using, which has allowed us to automate kind of the contracting and automate mm -hmm. the billing process. You like said using Calendly, which allows us to automate the calendar integration. Plus it also gives us that feature where there are some people who, want to do let's say a they're not a, a, a ongoing client where they want to do a financial kind of a forecast or build out like a basic model 
um, where in Calendly, we have one of our links requires like if you want to do that, then, hey, there's a five hundred dollar charge for us to do a two hour working session to build your model on the spot. They go mm -hmm. to the Calendly link. They can pay. They pay before they set up the meeting. And then once we have the meeting, we create the tool, give them the tool. That has been a huge win using that tool. And then also the last one I want to talk about is for a lot of people that are trying to, you know, do create content, they're trying to create podcasts. And one of the parts that is one of the most painful parts of creating content is the editing process and trying to layer in those intros, those outros and the different clips or just trying to load, have images pop up on the screen. You know, one of the things that we switched to was using StreamYard, which is the platform we're using Ooh. right now. And Shout out to StreamYard, <laughs> sponsor the podcast. Listen, we are fans, okay? We have seven, 10, 15 podcasts and we use all of them through StreamYard, okay? We are loyal to StreamYard, okay? <laughs> and like I said, when you like for those of you that saw the beginning, if you saw the intro, I mean, all of that wasn't done in post-production edits. It was done live in StreamYard. So it allows us to be able to, you know, free up more of our time to do other things in our business because we can automate those things we used to do in the background. And, you know, as we said earlier, it's late. So we're going to wrap this conversation up. But yes, one final treat for you to see how well the automation for StreamYard goes. So until next time. <laughs>